Hi friends, this is Anya Viktorovich. Today I have a special guest from Colorado, Dale Remsberg, is a IFMGA and AMGA mountain guide. Hi Dale. Hey there, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me. So Dale, tell us something about yourself. Yeah, well, my name is Dale Rimsburg. I'm an IFMGA mountain guide. I actually now serve as the technical director of the AMGA, so it means I'm partly responsible for all the curriculum and training and everything that trains guides in the U.S. And I've been guiding almost 30 years, grew up in the Cascades of Washington State. Basically, my entire life has been about taking people climbing and skiing around the world. And it's really rewarding. It has its hazards. It can be stressful. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't change a thing. Thank you. Fantastic. So, Dale, you were guiding a client in uh, Alberta, Canada, in Icefield Parkway. And I believe you told me that um, the climb was called Ice Nine. It's a WI6, uh, water ice six climb, right? What happened? Basically, what happened is I started the climb, and before I had any protection in, I don't exactly know for sure, but I was up somewhere between 15 and 30 feet. You know, it's hard to re uh, reconcile it all, but I fell and I hit the ground feet first on uh, just sheer blue ice, and I broke my back and my pelvis. Wow. So, and there was only one client with you or anybody else? Nope, just, just one client, my uh, long-term client, Bob. Uh, who is one of my very uh, special clients. He, I think at the time of this fall, he was 75 years old and we've climbed the Eiger and the Matterhorn and tons of big routes. Even just the day before we had climbed the Weeping Pillar, which is a nine pitch WI6. Uh, we have a ton of fun together and he's a, he's a special dude. He served in Vietnam and he's one of the most considerate, gentle, humans that I've ever worked with and we're really good friends at this point. He was a big part of the rescue. Well, how remote is that area? It, well, in terms of being near a population center, it's pretty remote. It's about halfway between uh, Field, British Columbia and Jasper, Alberta, but it's close to the road. The approach is only about 30 minutes, but it's not a very frequently traveled road. Although if you, if you made it down to the road, uh, you know, a car would pass for sure within 30 minutes, uh, that sort of thing. So it's not a, you know, it's not a busy highway, but you could get help that way. The problem for me was that I had a broken back and a broken pelvis. So we couldn't just walk down to the road. So, you know, once we get deeper into the story, you'll understand the, you know, complexities of the communication with the park service and a helicopter rescue and them inserting a couple mountain guides to help me out and fly me to a, a, a place where an ambulance could pick me up. Wow. So let's get deeper into the story. Um, do you know what caused yeah. the fall? Well, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times people tend to always blame the gear, the ice or the conditions. And, you know, those can be contributing factors. But the reality is I made a mistake and I didn't have as good a placement as I thought in the ice and it sheared through and I, I fell and I hit the ground. So that's the, that's the basic like what happened. But I think hopefully we'll get into the more interesting part of the story, which is all the human factors that led up to me being fatigued, uh, feeling rushed and all that, that were all contributing factors that led to this fall. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Dale, because um, a lot of the interviews that I had in the past, it's always the leading factors. It's not really the 
one little mistake you make. It's it all stacks up. So let's talk about those factors. What I mean, you mentioned you were tired. Did you climb the day before or? Yeah, well, we had had a big day before and it was nearing the end of my trip. I normally go to Canada for about a month and guide pretty much straight through with a few rest days here and there. So I was nearing the end of my trip. So I was probably starting to get a little bit of cabin fever or thinking about going home to Colorado and my dog and all those kind of things. So that's probably one contributing factor is that I was just overall body was fatigued. The second thing was the conditions had just changed basically 36 hours prior. So it had been really cold and we went from a very stable snowpack to all of a sudden the temperatures were spiking up into the, uh, you know, into the plus digits, if you're talking Celsius or, you know, up into the forties, you know, high forties, if you're talking Fahrenheit during the day. So the avalanche conditions and snow conditions were changing. So there's that. So we had an early start. Then the other contributing factor is right after we showed up and we're kind of waiting to leave the car because it was in the dark and we're going to start super early to beat the, the warming. Another group of folks whom I happen to know, another group of guides, uh, pulled up behind us to also climb the route. I felt some pressure to perform and pressure to, you know, be expedient and efficient so that we didn't help, help uh, hold them up. And then the other contributing factor is since we left so early in the morning, I think we left Canmore at three in the morning or something, his eyesight for driving it at night is not that good. So I offered to drive. So I also drove the hour and a half to the base of the climb. So just compounding um, you know, just fatigue and early start and driving and then being pushed by other people and then feeling a need to deal with the changing conditions. I'd already climbed this climb three or four times in the previous two or three weeks in really good conditions. In fact, it, it was pretty easy conditions, probably water ice five minus or so, uh, even though it's rated water ice six. Although when we got there this morning, a fresh veneer or fresh layer of chandeliered ice had formed over the first pitch and it was wet and completely different conditions than the very friendly conditions I experienced, you know, just a week prior. So all these things just kind of compounded and led to me making a mistake. And the, uh, you mentioned conditions warming up. Was the weather good too? Yep. The weather was excellent, which thankfully allowed the helicopter to fly. If it had been bad weather, they wouldn't have been able to fly the helicopter and it would have been a much more serious rescue. And it was cold in the morning. I think it was minus five Celsius at the car and things were you know firm and crisp and calm, no wind. So we had really good conditions uh, for when we were supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, okay. So you fell and then what? <laughs> Well, I fell and I hit the ice and I, I knew immediately I had injured myself, but I obviously didn't know how bad, but I slid down the snow slope about, I don't know, somewhere between 50 and a hundred feet until the rope came tight. I had, I had Bob anchored into this chunk of ice onto the side, but he had a bunch of slack out because I was at the start of the, of the climb and didn't have any yeah. protection. And so I slid down until that stopped me, knew something was wrong. Bob rushed down and these other guides, uh, they uh, rushed down and just gave me immediate care in terms of just, you know, quick head to toe, make sure I'm not bleeding out. Uh, and then they started to, they started to conduct a rescue. And the first thing that needed to happen was we needed to get outside help. I knew that because I couldn't move. And as guides in Canada and, and in the U.S. or basically in the world, we carry VHF radios. 
And I had all the frequencies programmed in for Park Service Canada or, you know, for uh, Parks Canada. And I tested it before in terms of triggering repeaters and that sort of thing, but I'd never actually called the Park Service. So it's one of those theoretical things we operate with and hope it works if you if you ever need it. And thankfully, when I keyed the mic, I, you know, I, I keyed the mic and said, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. This is Mountain Guide Dale Rimsburg on Ice 9. I've taken a fall. Does anybody copy? And instantly the dispatcher came back and said, you know, we copy. Uh, we have a mountain guide on staff here. His name was Ian Jackson. He was amazing. And he got right on the radio, started talking about where I was. And, and they basically said, we'll be there in about 40, 45 minutes. Wow. That's pretty quick. Yes. Oh, nice. Uh, for reference, we have mountain Mount Hood here in Oregon and, yeah. On average, on good day, it takes about 10 hours for the whole rescue, 10 to 12 hours on good, like during good conditions. So 45 minutes yeah, is a, very impressive. Yeah, it's a much different system in the U.S. with a lot of our rescue services not being staffed by full-time mountain guides. In places like Parks Canada or France or Switzerland, you know, it's basically like a fire department. They're there waiting and they just need a call. Yeah, and here they have to get people to respond and then... Drop anything they're doing, get home, get ready, and then uh, go and do the rescue. So you called for help, and they said 45 minutes, so you hunkered down. And did they actually show up after 45 minutes? I think they actually were, I think they actually beat their time estimate, yep. And how many people showed up? They inserted uh, two mountain guides uh, out of the helicopter on a long line and lowered them right down to me. Yeah, and they packaged me in in an air splint, you know, the one where you put it in it and they, they basically pull all the air out around you to immobilize you. Yep. And then they put me into a hard litter uh, with that inside the hard litter. And then they transported me from there, just a five minute flight down to the road where an ambulance by that time was waiting. And they, at that point I was really cold. I was like shaking and shivering and probably borderline hypothermic. Uh, but they put me into a heated blanket in the ambulance got morphine on board, which was amazing, um, and drove me to Banff, Alberta, to to the uh, emergency room. How was that riding the basket? Well, I mean, I've, I've this is my second time I've been rescued in a helicopter, so maybe I was a little bit used to it. But it's, you know, I did try and take in the view, and I was chatting with the other mountain guide about it, and I haven't, you know, trying to have as much fun as you can, because at this point, you don't know what the extent of your injuries are. And I could still wiggle my toes. I could still wiggle my fingers. So I felt good about not losing any function in my body, but you just don't really know what, you know, you just don't know what the issues are. So I was just trying to be optimistic. So you're a frequent flyer then? I have some frequent flyer miles, unfortunately. Yeah. In the last, actually more life threatening, I had a hemoneumothorax from another ice fall where that was actually much more urgent medical issue than this one was so what injuries did you end up having so you had broken back yeah so i had i i had um stable compressions in my lower back of the f of four vertebrae in my lower back and a cracked pelvis and other than that i think i probably tore my labrum although that didn't show up until later in an mri um it's hard it's hard to tell if that was part of the, the accident but What's amazing to me is I landed on my crampons on hard ice 
literally I had no soreness in my knees or ankles anytime post-accident. They were perfectly fine. It's really hard for me to believe, but it's it's the case. And it's 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 interesting because I I, dro- I drove myself home uh, two days later because at that point they didn't know my back was broken or my pelvis was cracked and I got cleared in, in yeah. Canada, but I couldn't walk. I had to crawl to fill my truck with gas, crawl into the hotel room and crawl to go get food. And it was just, it was a crazy journey home. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you were in the hospital just two days and then you drove home. I was only in the hospital actually a few hours and they cleared me because the x-rays didn't show anything. You know, I, I, I didn't have any trauma to my upper body. You know, everything seemed to be working. I was just like really stiff. So yeah, I didn't actually spend any nights in the hospital. Whereas the other accident I was just referring to, I was in the emergency room for five days with that one. Dale, you're so lucky like to fall on ice with all the sharp tools and crampons. People usually break well, you know legs the, and end up much worse. Yeah, well, you know the three rules of ice climbing, right? Have do fun. not fall is number one. Number two is do not fall. And number three is if you do fall, don't hit the ground. So I've broken the first, second, and third rule on ice climbing. And, and you've heard pretty well. Um, let's talk about what did your client do? I mean, did, did he get involved in the rescue at all? Yeah, he was right down on on site immediately with the other guides that were there helping package me. And uh, when the helicopter came and took me away, you know, they didn't they didn't uh, pick up Bob. So he had to self extract down to the road, which was a pretty easy hike. He's mm. so then he drove himself to can or to Banff and where I was already checked into the hospital and he waited there with me and then took me back to our condo where we were staying in Canmore and yeah, it was just there for me throughout that. And he, you know, he even offered to drive me home and, and it seemed because I was cleared with the x-rays, it didn't seem necessary. In hindsight, I should have been like, yeah, Bob, you can drive me home. Let's do it. You know, cause that would have been a much more comfortable ride. So Dale, I ask all of my guests about lessons learned from all of the accidents. What would you like to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, I think what I'd like to share is kind of twofold. But I think, you know, a lot of new climbers and climbers hear about accidents, shies them away from taking adventure. And I would say the chance of adventure and the chance of being out in the mountains outweighs the risk, but we have to just be prepared when something goes wrong. So I would encourage people not to let this story scare them and and learn from my, but, you know, rather learn from my mistakes and continue to explore our wild places because I think it's just absolutely critical. Lessons learned, if you wanted to boil it down into one thing, was would be listen to your intuition. Listen to the hairs on the back of your neck that are telling you something's not quite right, which I felt the entire morning. I just didn't listen to them. So I think, I think humans are much more attached to the natural environment than we think, and it often gives us warning signs, and you should listen to that. And this day... I didn't listen and I have it written down in my guides notes about changing conditions. I knew I was tired. Bob and I talked about it. All those flags were out there shining, telling us to, you know, hey, maybe go climb something easy and have an easy day. But we were too goal driven and we pushed on with our objective and it cost me a pretty serious accident. One, you know, one where I got lucky. Is there any equipment that you wish you had with you or did you, do you feel like you guys were prepared for any? Uh, 
we were well prepared. I mean, I guess maybe very light shelter could have come in handy, although we were so close to the road that it didn't seem uh, necessary for this particular route. But we had, I had a VHF radio, which I had all the, f- the frequencies pre-programmed in for Parks Canada. So that paid off. I also had a, you know, in-reach mini with me. So I had that just in case the radio wasn't working. All the gear was in order. So not really. It's not, I think we were very well prepared. We just, we weren't prepared to say no to our instinct. So Dale, you, you mentioned your other accident. Can you talk briefly about that too? Yeah, of course. So it was also a nice fall. What's, so that's, you know, where I broke rule number two, or I guess this accident was rule number two. And that one, this one we're talking about now is rule number one. But I was working on a guide training course in Uray, Colorado. Uh, it's a five-day course where we train guides on how to be better prepared to guide clients in the ICE environment and assess their skills and et cetera, et cetera. And I was on this climb called Skylight, which is a kind of famous climb in Uray. It's only two pitches, but it climbs up a really, really narrow chimney, uh, which is an amazing feature. But the ice forms way back in there, 20, 30 feet back in there. And I was on pitch two doing our instructor demo. So we demo a day so people can see what they need to aspire to or see the standard that they're trying to adhere to. And I was about a third of the way up the climb and I placed a couple screws below and I was getting ready to place another one because my previous screw placement had kind of fractured some ice and it wasn't that good, although I left it. But I went up another body length or so and was getting ready to place another screw. And what I think happened, I can't confirm this for sure, but what I think happened is a big snow mushroom came out of a tree from above and hit me. And my stance wasn't secure enough. And my tools weren't secure enough. And I lost control. You know, another bit, you know, basically a mistake. I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough or good enough in that moment to hold on. I fell. And because of the nature of this climb, there was a lot of rope in service and a lot of slack in the system. It's really hard to avoid that. So even though the previous screw was only a body length or so below me, I still fell about 30 feet or 40 feet down this chimney. I bounced down the walls and stopped upside down right above basically this flat chunk of ice where if I would have hit that, I was upside down. I probably would have really hurt myself or broken my, my neck or something. But I stopped. The screw that I thought was bad did hold. I had them lower me back down to the belay kind of crawling on the snow. Uh, it wasn't as painful as the the fall on Ice 9. Like I didn't know something was immediately wrong. Although pretty quickly, I started to go into shock. And I knew I could just, I knew something was wrong with my body. We had turned out to be a hemoneumothorax where I'd broken some ribs, ribs and it had mm. lacerated my lung. And I was bleeding out into my chest cavity and it was collapsing actually my heart. And... Uh, my lung and my upper left side, which was, you know, ended up being what the accident was. That is a very, very dangerous injury. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. We were, I'm fortunate that it was a low snow year and they were able to drive an ambulance all the way up to the base of the climb. There were other guides in the area that all helped with the rescue. They were able to transport me down to Uray where I was loaded into a helicopter and they were actually flying me to Grand Junction uh, which is a level one trauma center, the highest level trauma center. But my vitals started to uh, decompensate too quickly. And so they actually diverted to Montrose and there happened to be a trauma surgeon on, you know, on duty 
which is you know not always the case in Montrose. And they were able to get a chest tube into me uh, because I didn't I didn't have a whole lot more time. It was starting to you know my body was starting to let go, and so fortunately uh, there was somebody who's extremely qualified and able to you know cut a hole in my chest and get a tube in there and relieve the pressure. It's a it's a very interesting injury because it's really just a cut inside your body. And once that heals, which only took five or six days for the wound to close, kind of good to go. Other than I had some broken ribs that lasted a while, uh, but it was a, it was a fascinating injury to to uh, have and experience. You know, you hear about it in your woofer and your medical training and all that. You know, these hemoneumothoraxes, and the, it was interesting yeah. to kind of live through it. You were lucky again because first you were surrounded by our guides, and then you had the surgeon in the right place at the right time. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's a human error. It's more like a nature that that kind of caused it, right? Yeah. Is there well, anything I mean, you would have done differently? I don't think there's anything I would do differently, and I've led the climb since. Uh, but, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I could have had a, a more secure stance or a better tool. But I think you can't solve all the problems in climbing and backcountry skiing. Some things are sometimes are going to go wrong. The kind of guiding I do, and, and not to say this was the case that day because it's a fairly moderate climb, but we have to take risks out there to get things done in a reasonable amount of time and that sort of thing. And I don't think I cut any corners. Like you said, it was just this one. This one was a little more of a kind of random act and I fell. Where the other one where I fell on ice nine, I really feel human error and poor decision making led to that fall. Uh, Dale, anything you'd like to add about any of those two stories? Well, yeah, there's a, I, I recently got a, a tattoo during the pandemic and it, it's directly related to my profession and that this specific accident. And it's kind of a fun little story oh. because uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was hallucinating or not. But when I was down on the ground and they were waiting for the ambulance, uh, a good friend of mine, Keith Garvey, was with me. This bighorn sheep walked up right beside me within a meter of me and looked right in my eyes which I've never experienced a bighorn sheep come that close before. So I thought for sure I was hallucinating. Like obviously, you know, I'm like losing consciousness and I'm like seeing visions and all these things. And I'm like, Keith, is there a bighorn sheep like beside me? Because I'm seeing it. No, there's, there's a bighorn sheep right beside you looking into your eyes. Uh, So that was kind of a cool experience because I feel like the bighorn sheep actually transferred some of its strength and energy to me while I was there. So now I have this tattoo of a raven and a bighorn sheep on my shoulder because I feel like that bighorn sheep gave me some of its energy. Ravens are just always there with us in the mountains and they're always like, you know, talking to us and circling. And, you know, sometimes they mess with us by getting into our backpacks. But I think more often than not, they're they're out there watching us have fun. And, you know, they're a, a really smart bird, obviously. And I think they, they play and yeah. enjoy and have fun. And so I've always felt a strong connection to the raven. So yeah, I have this tattoo now with the raven and a bighorn sheep because it feels like they were there with me through this accident. Yeah, I think that bighorn sheep was checking you out. It's like, why did the human fall? I never fall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the leading cause of uh, bighorn sheep and mountain goats is falling. Oh, maybe it was trying to learn something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it taught me something. One new thing we're starting this year is we're starting trivia questions. And I'm going to ask Dale to come up with a trivia so you guys can answer it. And if you know the answer, you can win some uh, PMR swag. Dale, 
What's your trivia question? Yeah, well, thanks for prepping me that I needed to have a trivia question. But I think one that's kind of fun <laughs> is on the uh, on the second accident I had, which was on a climb called Ice Nine. Just down the road is one of the most famous ice climbs in the world called Polar Circus. Prior to be, being called Polar Circus, it had another name. What's the name and why was it called that? If you guys know the answer, email us at rescueradiobypmr at gmail.com. Again, it's rescueradiobypmr at gmail.com. And we will uh, randomly choose a winner and you guys can win some PMR swag. Dale, any parting thoughts before we end the great conversation? Well, I think the main thing I just want to go back to again is listen to your intuition and listen to your instinct because I think the body tells us a lot. So if you listen to that and actually act on it, you can prevent a lot of mishap in the mountains. That, that would be my parting thought. It was just, you know, pay attention to what your body's telling you. Yeah, and I, I like to add, I really liked what you said in the beginning that let not this scare you you should definitely go out and enjoy the outdoors. And that's why we're doing the podcast so you guys can learn from mistakes. And Dale, thank you so much for coming and, and talking about the accidents. I know it's not easy, you know, um, especially if, if you make a mistake to admit that you made a mistake. So I really appreciate it because I know that a lot of people will take something away from it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, one of, I, I have no problem sharing this information and in fact, I don't know if your if your uh, listeners are on social media, but uh, I have an Instagram page. It's my first and last name, Dale Rimsburg. Um, you can easily find my Instagram. But I basically dedicate all my content to uh, mountain technical tips and how to be better in the mountains and anchors and just the whole life of being a mountain guide and how to help mentor new climbers because it's much harder to find a mentor these days. So that might be one spot they could check out. But yeah, listen... Listen to your body. I'm happy to answer questions and keep it tight out there. Thanks, Dale. You bet. This is all we have for you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and you can check us out at pmru.org. Also, we have a Facebook page at Portland Mountain Rescue. Um, and we also have an Instagram page at the same name, Portland Mountain Rescue. Stay safe out there and until next time. <laughs>